Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of a podcast. Yesterday, we recorded and released our Reservation Dogs pilot episode entitled <laughs> Urban Tortoise Incursion. And if you listen to the episode, you'll kind of understand why it got named that. Um, it was such a delight, such a treat. And we had author Carmilla Voyas on last night. And now we have chapter one of her horror novel trilogy, Starblood. So she's going to go ahead and read that for you guys. And yeah, I'm very excited. This is the first time we've had, you know, any books read on here. So sit back and enjoy and happy Halloween and spooky months. Enjoy your October, everybody. Welcome to Acid Horrors. Today I'm going to read from my novel Starblood. My name is Carmela Voyez and the book is re-released on October the 6th. I hope you'll check it out. Chapter 1. Satori stands in the centre of his bedroom. His fragile-looking angular body is lost in the forest of writing that expands around him, a web of ancient knowledge. His fingers and the lace cuffs of his shirt are stained from the charcoal he uses to scribble symbols. Markings cover every surface, the bare floorboards, ceiling and walls. Even his wardrobe and door are covered in intricate black sigils. He unbuttons his shirt swearing as he leaves fingerprints on the cotton. After tossing the garment on his bed, he unzips his jeans and forces the denim down his legs to the floor. Standing naked, he smells himself. There is no trace of her scent on his body, and realising this feels like losing her all over again. He pulls silver rings from his fingers, removes the hoops from his left ear and the silver stud from his pointed nose. His jewellery jingles like tiny bells as he lets it fall, scattering like distant stars across the midnight duvet. On his pillow, dozens of photographs lie like fallen leaves. Some are intact, but most are torn or defaced. Her face holds his thoughts for a moment, pale, perfect, and framed by a mass of ebony curls. He shakes his head to clear her image. After this is over, he will make her love him again. A wolfish grin grows across his face at the thought of Star on her knees, begging him to take her back. He licks his lips. His face feels hot, his body cold. But despite his impatience, his desire to complete the ritual and achieve his goal, he waits. He sucks air through his nostrils and collects his thoughts. He must not rush. He must keep control of himself and his desires. He draws the same glyphs on his body starting with his toes and the soles of his feet, then moving upwards with practised dexterity. Charcoal drags against his skin, which blossoms pink below each mark. The growing tattoo obscures his figures, while the tips of his fingers prickle with energy. Although he knows what he needs to say, he reads the passage again, draws two circles on the floor and steps into one of them. With the fingers of his right hand, he traces a pentagram in the air before him and recites the words, pronouncing each syllable with care. This is my will, he says finally. 
Lifting a silver dagger above his head, he concentrates. An excited grin spreads across his graffiti-covered face, and with tremendous force, he plunges the knife downward, severing the air in front of him. Through the tear, he glimpses swirls of darkness, chaos. He calls to Furfur, creator of love between man and woman, to share with him his demon's power so he can win Star back. A long, slender leg steps through the gap, followed by a lily-white body. The interloper is female, naked and hairless. I am Satori, his voice quivers with fear and excitement. He coughs and tries to speak with more authority. I have brought you. Brought me? I think not. I saw the door and came to meet the fool who caused it to open. Her emerald eyes are full of contempt. Satori's confidence withers. Malice thickens the air like gelatin and the demon's aura chills the room. Although he suspects it's fear rather than the cold that makes his body shake and his bones rattle. Staring at her in silence, he realises he's made an error. What went wrong? Instead of Furfur, contained and compelled to do his bidding, ready to elevate him back into the arms of his beloved, he is faced with something else, something threatening. He raises his dagger above him again, ready to expel her before it is too late. She knocks his dagger away with the back of her hand. I am your guest, not your minion, and you will not dismiss me. Satori falls to the floor, nursing his wrist. Thousands of drawings swim before his eyes as she steps into view, pale feet smudging his glyphs. He watches transfixed as her white toes sharpen into points, and black ectoplasm spreads over them and the sides of her feet until they meet at the back to form a shiny slipper. Her heels rise and her feet arch as stiletto heels stretch beneath the, the soles. Spellbound, he watches the same process in action across every part of her body. A leather corset grows over her chest and stomach. And with each moment, the material becomes more defined, like a rapid rewinding of decomposition. Five red trimmed straps emerge from the black leather, each with a silver buckle at the centre. Lace panties spread over her crotch, obscuring the shock of red hair. Over the underwear, a shiny black miniskirt forms, skimming her thighs. Her face is painted, her crimson lips match the shade of her luxurious hair. Her closed eyes sprout thick black lashes. Above these, perfect eyebrows arch towards her delicate nose. When she opens her eyes again, Satori's body responds to her beauty. She laughs. I am not yours, magician. Cold green eyes sweep around the room. Her body flexes and tightens, and a frown creases her forehead and chin. Open the door. Who are you? His voice carries no authority, and he's surprised that she answers. Lilith. She strides towards the door as if she's already forgotten he is there. No, I have to send you back. It's a moot point, but he feels better for making it. He must not let her see his powerlessness. She turns to him. Crouched on the floor, he feels her judgment. He tries to stand, but under the power of her scorn, his limbs are like liquid. She moves like quicksilver. He has never seen a body, human or feline, move as 
gracefully or effortlessly. Fear strengthens his resolve. He takes a deep breath and tries to rise. The mocking smile on her face makes his stomach twist and tighten. He feels anger at her dismissal of his power, yet his penis aches for her, rebelling against his will. These symbols, she says, will not hold me. She opens her hand and places her palm against the door. The charcoal shapes move and twist across the painted wood. They detach themselves with a final tug and swirl and dance through the air before racing towards Satori and buzzing around his face like mosquitoes. Confused, he bats them away with his arms, then calms himself, clears his mind and wheels the airborne glyphs away. When he opens his eyes again, the swarm and Lilith are gone. I hope you enjoyed that. Pick up the book if you did. Thank you very much. A quick reminder, Starblood by Camilla Voyez will be available from October the 6th on Amazon and other good book retailers. You can see more about my writing at my website, www.carmillavoyez.com. Thank you for listening. All right. That was wonderful. Thank you so much, Carmilla. And we will see you not only on Fridays, but also on the normal scheduled Tuesdays. And we'll be able to really post a lot more during the month of October. We're trying to get our engagement up. So if you want to say anything, request anything, you have any thoughts, um, anything you want us to know, just go ahead and reach out to us in any way you can. A podcast23 at gmail.com. We haven't gotten our first email yet. Um, it's mostly just covering the business aspect. Um, again, thank you so much and we'll see you next Tuesday, but we'll also see you before and after that. Goodbye. I'm Teresa Stoddard.